You know, I'm just really thankful for um, what the Lord is, is doing and, and just how he works. Like, I don't know, it's just, it's just super fun. Um, and so I don't know if you guys have ever, you know, or when the last time you guys looked at someone and said, hey, uh, do you trust me? Or I don't know when the last time you looked at someone and said, hey, do you have faith in me? You see, most of the time when someone says, hey, do you trust me? Hey, do you have faith in me? Most of the time, it's usually when a bad driver gets in the driver's seat and looks over to the passenger seat at a good driver and says, hey, you trust me? Hey, you got faith in me? And the good driver passenger goes, what in the world are you about to do? That's usually when that happens. And so as we look about that statement of like, hey, do you trust me? Do you have faith in me? We're going to be looking at some scripture that's going to correlate a little bit with that. Because as I've been reading just Genesis and Luke and, and just really trying to look at God's word, it's almost like I keep like hearing Jesus look at his disciples and look at people and saying, where is your faith? Like, where is your faith? Do you not trust me? Do you not have faith in me? Like, I've literally told you who I am. I've literally told you what I'm going to do. And yet you still don't have faith in me. I look at the stories of the Old Testament and again, I'm just, I'm looking at them and I'm just saying, man, like, where is my faith? And let me just explain a little bit of what I mean by like, where is my faith? Because I don't want you to confuse that with something else. Again, I just want you to just read or have people have so much little faith and God continuously looking at them and saying, where is your faith? Like I've literally told you who I am, what I do. And so as we've been going through this reading plan, it's just been really good for me. It's been really challenging for me. And to be honest, I've I've missed a couple days and I'm like, oh man, I got to catch up a little bit. But I just keep on reading and I say, where is my faith? Like am I having faith in myself or am I having faith in chance or am I having faith in the universe or am I having faith in the Lord of the Lord of Adam, the Lord of Abel, the Lord of Abraham, the Lord of Isaac, the Lord of Jacob? The same Lord who arrived on earth as a humble servant like 2,000 something years ago, the son of God, a.k.a. Jesus. Like is that who I'm having my faith in? Is that where my faith is at? And so as we look at this passage together, which will actually be Genesis 24, we're going to see that faith, faith in God, leads to radical obedience in the everyday. And that's kind of where we are in this whole series of radical obedience in the everyday. So go ahead and turn to Genesis 24 with me. Because again, I just want to define radical obedience in the everyday. And if you remember, last week we are in Genesis 4. And we talked about how really radical obedience in the everyday most of the time looks like simple obedience. Doing those little things that for some reason are just so hard for us, but yet they're so simple, like reading God's word, spending time in prayer, loving others. And as we looked at Genesis 4, I just want to kind of catch you up all the way to Genesis 24 really quick as you turn to Genesis 24. Because chapters 5 and 9 really talks about um, this family of Noah. And so Noah's this family that God chose. And, and God did this incredible thing where he chose his family, saved a few. And, and it was all in the midst of this evil and God's response to evil. And there's this ark. There's all kinds of stuff. So you have the family of Noah. And then you have chapter 10 and 11, which is like this list of names that people call a genealogy. And then you see God's response again 
to evil. And you have this thing called the Tower of Babel, and that's a whole story, and, and, and God just spreads the people all across the world. It's, it's really cool. But then you go to chapter 12, and this is where we're introduced to Abram, which would later be called Abraham. And really from chapters 12 all the way to 23, that's mostly just the family of Abraham. And the Lord's promise to Abraham in chapter 15. And then in uh, chapter 21, we see this son, the promised son that God promised to Abraham, Isaac, is born in chapter 21. But then sadly in chapter 23, Abraham's wife, which is Isaac's mom, dies. And then we get to chapter 24. And uh, this is really many, many years after uh, Sarah had died. And then you have the beginning of chapter uh, 24 that says that Abraham was now very old. And so a lot of time had gone by, and it says that he was blessed. And so as, as you kind of read the first couple verses, you just see that Abraham is like, hey, I, I think I need to find a wife now for my son Isaac. And what he does, if, if you notice, he gets his very best servant, like his senior servant, like not a servant who's like over there like making chili. Like the servant who's like, hey, I'm like second in command, third in command. And he's like, all right, I need you to take this whole group of people and all of these camels and, and don't find a wife here where we live. Go find a wife for my son where I'm from because that's where you need to find a wife for my son. And then the servant is like, okay, cool, but like let's just play a what if here. And just play a what if, man. I, I trust you, man, but like what if I go and I don't find a wife for your son? Like what do you want me to do? And if you read, again, the first five verses, man, the faith of, of, of Abraham is incredible. But it's funny because the servant goes, do you just want me to come back and then take Isaac over there? <laughs> and then we're about to read Abraham's response to that because his response is beautiful. And he's just really recounting what the Lord told him. And so in verse 6, it says this, make sure that you do not take my son back there, Abraham said. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household in my native land and who spoke to me and promised me an oath saying, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send this angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son from there. If the woman is unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from this oath of mine. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of his master Abraham and swore an oath to him concerning this matter. We're going to keep reading the rest of chapter 24 later, but we're just going to focus on this part for a little bit. Again, I, I have this question of my head of like, where is my faith? And, and as I look at Abraham right here, I'm just seeing him recount the promise that God gave him and said, man, servant, let me just tell you what God did and what God said and what God promised me. And so as we look about living in radical obedience, here's the thing that I see right here is simple faith is living in radical obedience. Simple faith is living in radical obedience. You see here we can just see this simple faith in, in Abraham's simple faith in God of not only the mere fact that God is just perfectly faithful, perfectly kind, perfectly good, perfectly loving, perfectly just, but that God has proven himself time and time again that he is those things. And then as we see this and as we continue to look at chapter 24, which interestingly enough, I think is one of the longest chapters of Genesis. 
we keep looking at this and we see the very start, as we keep reading, we see the very start of how God is fulfilling the promise that he gave to Abraham in chapter 15. The very start of how all of that form and the promise of, of God to Abraham saying, like, your descendants will be like the stars. Which if you don't know what that means, it just means a lot. A lot of descendants. And this is the very start. And then if you just kind of keep reading all the way to the New Testament, you see that this, again, is the continuation of God's ultimate plan to bring about Jesus. God's ultimate plan to bring about the promised Messiah, the promised Savior, who is Jesus, who would come from this family. And so all of chapter 24, man, we see not just like the faith of people, but really it points to God and how God is this faithful provider. He is this promise keeper. And to not be cliche, he's the wife giver. That's what we're going to see. So he's the faithful provider, promise keeper, wife giver. I thought that'd be funny. So I thought I'd say it. It'd be funny. I'm kind of praying for that. I don't know. I'm praying for that. And so we see the simple faith of Abraham. The simple faith where he goes, servant, senior servant, bro, but all that, seriously. Simple faith of like, this is what God said and I'm trusting him. Period. That's it. And so that's what we see Abraham doing of this simple faith of like, man, I'm just going to obey the Lord and trust him. And sometimes simple faith really looks like radical faith. Because to the outside world, the outside world was probably looking at Abraham and saying, bro, just, just find a wife for your son just here. Like, why do you have to go over there? Again, so you see this radical faith and you see that Abraham is doing something outside of the normal to, to see the Lord work. And so living in simple faith is, is really living in this simple obedience and this radical obedience of saying, I want to know the Lord. And in knowing him, I want to have faith in him and I want to trust him. But also I want to put that faith and that trust into practice, which again for us, to a, a world, just seems so radical. Because there's a world and the people who think that it's just absolutely ridiculous to follow the Lord, to trust him, to be guided by him. But I want to remind you of what John 17 says. In John 17, it says, now this is eternal life, that you would know him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so we see that, man, we are here to know the Lord, to have eternal life in him. And so surrendering our life to Jesus is simple faith that leads to radical obedience. Getting baptized is simple faith that leads to radical obedience, that is radical obedience. We see that praying to God is this simple faith that is radical obedience. We see that serving God is simple faith and radical obedience. And all of this, like we talked about last week, comes out of a heart of worship. Comes out of a heart of worship and this, and this simple obedience. And, and I wrote this down because I usually forget these statements. So I, I wrote down this statement. Um, and it says this, is that simple faith understands this. That God is not some historical figure we read about, but a living father we interact with. That God is not some historical figure we read about, but a living father we interact with. And that's actually the next thing we're going to see in these verses. And so I want you to go to verse 12 with me. And in between uh, verse 9 and verse 12, practically you see this continuation of the story where the servant does get, you know, this group of people and the camels and they go to Nahor and they go. And, and then he gets there around evening time and he tells his camels to like kneel down and then they're at this well. 
And he's like, okay, this is where the, the women come to get the water, and this is the time. Cool, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait here. My camels are here, and I'm going to pray. That's what the servant does. And then in verse 12, we see his prayer. So read this with me. Then he prayed, this is the servant, Lord, God of my master, Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master, Abraham. See, I am standing beside the spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that, that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. But this, or by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Verse 13, or 15. Before he had finished praying, which is so cool. Before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. So again, we see this servant who gets there and he's crying out to the Lord. And, and again, we talked about this interactive faith. And so the second point that we have as we read this is that interactive faith is part of living in radical obedience. Interactive faith is part of living in radical obedience. And I just love how the servant, he, he gets there and and he's just like, man, I'm going to pray and I'm going to interact with the Lord in faith. And I just want you to really, really look at this because he's not praying to Abraham. Or he's not looking at someone else saying, hey, uh, I need you to go back a couple of days and go tell Abraham to pray. He's not, he's not doing any of that. He's, see, he's standing there and he's going, I'm going to pray to the Lord who I've seen provide for my master time and time and time again. And so he prays and he's looking for the Lord's guidance. He's looking for the Lord to move. He's looking for his wisdom. And if anything, he's trying to be intentional. And don't miss this. He's trying to be intentional to invite God into his situation. So now we're going to make something super personal as we look at this. Because again, when we read the Old Testament, there's three questions we always have to ask. Who is God? What has he done? And what is my response? And so we've seen who is God and... Now we're seeing what he's done. But I need you to not miss how this servant just invites the Lord into a situation. So to make it personal, I just want you to think about your life. I want you to think about your situations. I want you to think about your familia. And I want you to think about right now in this moment, what is something that you have not invited the Lord to be a part of? Whether it's a relationship or friendships or all the lists that pastors usually give. Like what is that thing that you just have not invited the Lord to be a part of? Because so many times we either ignore that part or many times just like, man, God doesn't really care. Or many times just like, ah, whatever. But we see that the servant invites the Lord to be part of all things because he's seen his master invite the Lord in the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so right now in our lives, there's probably a good, a bad, and an ugly that we really need to invite the Lord to be a part of. As we have this interactive faith with him. And the reason I just want to really encourage you with that and challenge you with that is because <laughs> how many times do we just not try to invite the Lord into something in our situation and we walk away complaining. 
We walk away complaining, saying, man, the Lord just didn't move. Man, God just didn't do anything. He didn't show up. And I'm like, well, did you pray? Did you invite the Lord into the situation? Well, no? Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know what to do if you're complaining then. And so we have to invite the Lord into our situation and, and invite him in the everyday. Like if we're going to live this interactive, this simple faith in the everyday, man, we have to invite him into those situations. And so we see this servant it does that in this really challenging situation. And, and so then he begins to pray. And, and I don't know if the Lord's ever answered you like this, but I'm kind of... I'm kind of hoping the Lord does this to me someday where I'm praying and before I get done praying, he just answers my prayer. So I don't know if that's ever happened to you. It hasn't happened to me. I hope it does one day. That would be cool. But that's what happens right here. So, again, it just shows the Lord's provision and how the Lord is just so willing to say, here you go. I'm here to exercise my will and my purpose in the life of Isaac but also in the grand narrative that all of this points to Jesus. And so we see the servant exercising his own faith to the Lord. And it's just amazing to see all of that happen. And then I want you to just see something else here. The servant could have very well just showed up to Nahor and showed up to this little village or city and just went knocking on all the doors. Hey, hello, do you have a girl in there? Hey, hello, are you the family of Abraham? Hey, hello, is she beautiful? Hey, hello, does she have these characteristics? Hey, hello, is she worth Isaac's time? He could have done that. But instead he shows up and he takes time to just say, Lord, do what you want. Lord, you do it. And he just took the time to do that. And you see, I learned a really valuable lesson this past week. That time is the most valuable asset that we have. Time is the most valuable asset that we have. And I want to give the most valuable asset that I have to the Lord. If time really is the most valuable asset that I have, I want to give it to him. And then, let, me share you, let me share this story with you that really helped me learn that. So um, last Sunday, I was so excited because last Sunday was like the first Sunday we had a 9.30 and 11 o'clock. And I was like, woo, I get to like leave here at 12.30. Because usually most of the time we'd have a 9.30 and an 11 o'clock small groups. 12.30 service that would end at 1.30, but you know, you don't leave till like 3.00. And so I was so pumped to, like, not leave at 3 and to, like, leave at 1230. So I was, like, I was on, like, woo, let's go. So we get done with, with the 11 o'clock, and it's, like, 12, 1215. And, you know, most people have, were, like, leaving at that time. And it was around 1230, and I was leaving out the doors, and I was with one of our church members, and we were just kind of talking outside. And I was so pumped. I was, like, man, I'm going to get some food, and then I'm going to talk with this guy later. Like, I was, like, I'm finally going to leave the church before 3. And then out of the corner of my eye, I see this guy walking towards us. And in my mind, just to be completely transparent with you, I was like, please just kind of, eh. I was like, please don't like come this way. So I'm standing there and I'm talking with this church member. And, and again, this guy comes directly right here. And then he goes, hey, is the pastor here? And I just sat there. I just stood there. I was like, I'm not saying a word. I'm, being, I'm just being honest with you, Okay. And our church member goes, yeah, the pastor's right here. And I was like, Lord, it's 1230. I'm trying to get some lunch, you know. I'm just being honest. And, and the, guy was like, <laughs> the guy was like, really? Really? And I was like, yeah. Hey. Um, and he goes, oh, the last pastor I saw was like this tall and like Anglo. And I was like, yeah, it's not me. That's not me. So 
in that moment, as he's standing in front of me, I go, Lord, what do you want me to do? I said, I could very well just say, hey, man, I got to go. Or I can be intentional and stand here and take time with him. I said, so, Lord, help me do what is your will. Like, help me do what glorifies you the most. And help me do what's not sin. <laughs> like, I don't want to sin right now. And so the Lord goes, hey, you got to stay. And I was like, ah, okay. And so I'm, I'm pretty sure it's like an hour and a half, two hours. I don't know. It was, it, was some, it was a long time. And I'm grateful that the church members stayed, like, with me the whole time. But for an hour, hour and a half, two hours, however long it was, um, stayed in the parking lot talking with this guy. And, and at one point he, like, sits down on, on the curb and, like, I sit down with him. And I just, really, I'm just trying to be present. Um, because he came saying that he needed, you know, different money or different stuff. But I was like, oh, man, I, I just really can't give you that. Um, and I'd never had this thought in my mind before. Like, this was the first time I'd ever thought about this. I told him, I said, look, I don't really have anything else to give you but my time. And then the next thing that came to my mind and my heart that I truly believe was from the Lord was like, honestly, bro, the most valuable thing I have is time. And I'm just going to give that to you. And that man looked at me and he looks at me and he goes, and like just tears in his eyes. And he goes, man, I just don't remember the last time I had like a real conversation with someone before. He's like, I don't remember the last time someone actually just took the time to be with me and to just talk and to just have a normal conversation like a human being. And it just really, I don't know, it just really taught me a valuable lesson of number one, that time is the most valuable asset that we have. Number two, I'm to give the most valuable thing I have to the Lord, which is my time. And number three, I just, just to be honest with you, <clears throat> in that moment, I, I kind of had to take a servant moment here and, and say, Lord, I just got to pray and do what you've asked me to do in whatever way that looks like. Um, and so when we have that interactive relationship and that interactive faith with the Lord, it, it leads us to simple obedience, which sometimes is radical obedience. And that's, that's a lesson I learned literally last Sunday after I got done preaching. <laughs> and so we've seen this, this simple faith. We've seen this interactive faith. And, and just the last thing I want us to see is that patient faith. Patient faith is part of living in radical obedience too. Patient faith is part of living in radical obedience. And so when we look at verses 26 and 27, that's where we see that. Verse 26 says, Then the man bowed down and worshipped the Lord, saying, Praise be to God, the God of my master Abraham, who, was not, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. <clears throat> you see, the reason he was praying this, if you look before those verses and after those verses, the reason he was, he was just bowed down, I was like, Lord, like, thank you, is because this servant, again, was looking for a wife for Isaac, but it had to be of Abraham's family, and it had to be of, of great quality. And so the reason he bows down and prays is because that's exactly what he found. 
And then he bows down and he prays and he praises the Lord because he literally looks at Rebecca, who is this, this girl that he found. He looks at her and he goes, man, will you just come back to my master with me and, and, and marry Isaac? And there's this moment of pause again. And Rebecca practically does the same thing that Abraham does when he's talking to God. Because if you remember what Abraham did with God, he said, God, I heard what you said, and yes, yes, I'll say yes to you of leaving my hometown. I'll say yes to you to just say, yes, I will go to the land that you have promised. Yes, I will go. And so we see Rebecca in the same way kind of saying, yes, I will go. Yes, I will follow the Lord's guidance. So he bows down and, and he prays. And, and as I just look at this whole, this whole passage, I just hope you see how relatable it is. Because we don't see like some kind of like flaming bush or we don't see some kind of like angel. Or we don't see anything kind of super crazy, which God does that. But we don't see anything super crazy. If anything, we see people praying, people having faith, people being obedient, and God moving in a situation which is just so relatable. <laughs> like it's just so relatable when I see this. And so having this, this patient faith as we see this whole family and this whole situation just being patient, having this patient faith is part of living in, in radical obedience because so many times we do wanna take matters into our own hands, but we have to be patient and waiting for the Lord to move, waiting for the Lord to just move in such an evident way, in such a real way, that when he does move, we bow down on our knees if we're able and capable and willing and just saying, Lord, thank you. I don't know how that happened. But man, you reminded me of just how dependable you are. You reminded me of all of that. And so as we look at this, again, I just wanna ask you that question, where is your faith? Because all of chapter 24 emphasizes on that God is the provider, that he is the one who gives provision. He is the one with all the kindness, all the love, all the faithfulness. He keeps his word. He keeps his promises. He is trustworthy. So where is my faith? My faith in him or is my faith in chance, in myself or in something else? And so I just want to just encourage you and say that my prayer really after today is that you would just recognize and, and put all of your faith in the promise-keeping Lord, who kept his promise to Abraham, but really has kept his promise to us. Because again, this was the start and the continuation of God bringing about the promised Messiah, the promised Lord Jesus Christ. Because without the situation, we don't have Jesus part of this lineage. We don't have salvation through the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so I just wanna make sure you see this because and he is, God is the promise keeper and here the wife giver, which is awesome. Where's your faith? That's a great question. So let's go ahead and pray together and we'll continue. Lord, thank you so much for just how faithful you are, even when we are not faithful. Lord, thank you so much that <clears throat> you're so kind and so loving. And Lord, I pray that you would help us and encourage us and challenge us, Lord, to give you the most valuable asset that we have, and that's time. That we would be faithful today. That we would be faithful in the midst of the situation. That we would be faithful to invite you into the situations that we're in. Lord, help us have this simple faith to do the things that sometimes seem so hard. 
Help us have this interactive faith, Lord, with you. Lord, help us be patient. God, help us put our trust into practice. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.